welcome back to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. We are your hosts, Mr. Craigers and Miss Melmore. And today, this is episode 10. We have made it to double digits. Ooh. Yay! <laughs> very, very exciting. We don't know if you've made it to double digits. <laughs> we don't know you have, but we have. But we're here. <laughs> we are here. And this episode, we are talking about all things haunted. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not all things, but like... A couple things that have supposedly been told to us are A haunted. good number of <laughs> haunted things. That's going to be the name of our, our haunted TV show. A gathering of <laughs> A gathering places of some people told us might be haunted. Might be haunted. <laughs> we, um... Yeah, we've got some... Some personal mm-hmm. ghost stories. We have some um, broader ghost stories. <laughs> some legends, as one might say. Um, so, <laughs> inspired by recent developments in the world of paranormal investigation. Miss mm-hmm. um, Mel, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I tolerate on occasion ghost adventures. Um <laughs> And anyone who, you know, watches the show knows at this point, one of the investigate longtime investigators of that show left and has his own show now called Paranormal Lockdown on Destination America. And basically, there's this two-hour special on October 31st, Halloween, uh, which is being touted as the longest paranormal investigation ever broadcast on television. I, you know... I don't know the receipts on that. I feel like a lot of things are two hours, but, you know, right. what have you. Um, but basically, I think they're saying it's the longest time anyone has spent in a location, not how long it's airing, because they spent 100 hours uh, inside the Black Monk house in England. Which God, he just moved in. He did. He let I, him and what? What's her face on the show? Like they, there's like a video of him like in the preview, like sleeping on the couch. God. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Black Monk House, I guess, when we talk about our more broader uh, ghost stories. But the tagline for this house, generally, if you Google it, is that it is the most violent uh, haunting in England. Um, and one of the most violent hauntings that has ever been sort of investigated, reported, um, you know, and it's compared a lot of times to Amityville uh, and Enfield, which is like England's Amityville. So it'll be interesting stuff. But we're using that as a springboard to, to discuss all sorts of haunted, spooky, mm-hmm. ghostly Thanks. encounters. This is obviously the perfect time of year for... For such for such stories, and um, we'll throw this out there to you guys. If you have yeah. a spooky, ghostly encounter, something otherworldly, something you can't explain, something that doesn't quite add up, let us know. Yeah, and I love hearing. I love hearing these things. Yeah, well, um, you know, if we get some good ones, we'll talk about them on the next episode. Yeah, Annie and Brad. <laughs> Annie and Brad, you you at? you're in Florida. I know you got something. There's something. <laughs> Ghosts of alligators and whatnot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. And that's an interesting thing, too, is if you're a skeptic as well, I suppose. If you're somebody who's into horror but doesn't necessarily believe in all the sorts of things horror kind of focuses on from time to time, let us know as well. I like um, I like hearing multiple points of view. Yes. And I love... My favorite thing, too, is my own... I have my own... Um, 
family. There are people who are like, and I'll talk about this more when I talk about my own story, I suppose, but um, total psychics. And it was like, no, I was there. Or not psychics, I'm sorry, total skeptics. skeptics. And it was like, no, I was there. Like, how can you And they're like, oh, it was probably the astral <laughs> positioning of the sun. And the You had gas. Which is fine, but <laughs> it's always a fun conversation when you've got somebody who totally believes and somebody who's a total, total Yeah, non-believe, yeah. Which I'm- most ghost shows bring in. They'll be like, this is a local skeptic, Fred. As if that's their, like, their job. Local skeptic. <laughs> Local skeptic, Fred. <laughs> so. Yeah, and here at Splatter Chatter, of course, we welcome controversial opinions. Oh, yeah. So, wherever you fall on this subject, let us know. Yeah. Um, so, I guess... Do you want me to go first? Go for it. All right. Go for it, Miss This Mel. is the one ghost story I have, and it is my party line when such things come up. I think Craig's <laughs> heard this story a few times. Um, but it's relevant because Craig and I are both from Pennsylvania and it takes place in Gettysburg, which is basically the midpoint between Philly and Pittsburgh. Um, and as you probably know, Gettysburg is supposedly one of the most haunted places in the world, uh, as it is the, it was the literal battleground for some of the most violent battles and highest casualties of the American Civil War. Um, but I visited there when I was in high school, um, probably sophomore year of high school but um we went there for a couple days for a weekend I'd never been there before and you know they totally like play up the like ghost tours and after dark things and this and that which we did a couple of them and it was kind of fun it was nice it was more like a history tour and people saying like somebody saw a ghost over there once and like that yeah that was the ghost tour but it was interesting because my mom uh while we were doing one when we were um we were going over this old farm that I guess was used as a retreat area or something. Um, she ended up seeing these weird lights or something. And there was a group of paranormal investigators there with us who independently, I guess, saw it themselves because they started to take all these crazy pictures of this thing over there. And my mom was like, yeah, like it was weird. There was like this light over by the barn door. And like it looked, she said, like an old barn door, like how it would have looked way back when. And she figured it was just like a recreation and then we got closer and she was like, where'd the old lamp go and old, the old stuff? So that's kind of weird. That and if you're somebody weird. who's into hauntings, there's all these <coughs> sorts of philosophical ideas about residual hauntings versus intelligent hauntings that you'll hear about all the time in paranormal shows. But my own story is later that night, there's this very famous covered bridge in Gettysburg that I do not know the name of. But if you Google covered bridge in Gettysburg, you will find it. Um, It was used as a retreat for the Confederate soldiers uh, when they were hustling it out of there, when they realized they were fucked. Um, All was lost. (laughs) All was lost. Slavery was not, in fact, going to continue to be a thing. So they retreat across this covered bridge, and there's people who have all these stories on the internet about weird things that happen on this bridge, so we went one night to be like, yeah, let's check it out, and naturally, the entire world also thought about doing the same thing. So we get there, and everyone and their mother's there, and we're like, eh, this is stupid and boring, and everybody's here, there's nowhere to park, because it's like literally a road in the middle of the woods, so we're like, all right, let's get out of here, so we're driving away, and as we're driving away, keep in mind the battlefields, all of this is pitch black because it's national park. So there's no anything out there. Like it's just complete darkness and we're driving and the radio volume comes on 
and it's the sound of this dude just like screaming bloody like just completely screaming and it's kind of staticky but you can hear like these explosion type things in the background and we're like what the fuck so we keep driving the volume goes back down and it's one of those things where you're so weirded out by something that there's you can't do anything except start laughing because you're like what the hell was that so the entire car of all six of us are like that was weird. My dad goes to turn the volume back up and it's back on terrestrial radio, like whatever station he had on. And we were like, that was weird. And my mom was like, why did we pay for a tour when there was just a tour on the radio or something? Which clearly that's not what that was. Like it was freaking. Right. So we're like, holy shit. And we go back to the hotel in the daylight. We drive back out to this place where we heard this man screaming on the radio Um and we drive up and we see that there's this building there that we hadn't noticed because it was pitch black and it said outside there was a sign that said Civil War Hospital. And we, I, you know, when we were talking about it back in the hotel room, because my sister tried to convince me to go back out, it was like one in the morning at this point. And she was like, we should like go back out and like take pictures. And I was like, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, but this dude sounded like he was getting something amputated. Like it was just literally this man just a blood-curdling scream, and it sounded like cannon fire in the background, like staticky cannon fire coming through the radio. And it was super free. And, like, even if you can explain to me, you know, radio frequencies, what have you, the volume on the radio turned up by itself. Right. Nobody touched it. Um, so that was probably the freakiest part, and it went back down on its own. So, That's so freaky. That was the freakiest part for me. Um, I have not been, I've said several times I'm going to go back to Gettysburg since then, and I haven't, but I don't know. Maybe one day I we'll have, make a splatter chat trip. One day we'll make a splatter chat trip. Yeah. We'll find the covered bridge. But that is an example of a residual haunting that you will hear about many a times in paranormal investigative theory and the idea that. It's just events repeating themselves and the energy of events replaying kind like of like an a, imprint. Yeah, like an behind. imprint, like a movie, and they're not really aware that anyone else is there, as opposed to and what people consider to be an intelligent haunting, which is like poltergeist activity in Amityville and that sort of thing. So, or it's a conscious, yeah, entity, freaky. So that is my my one big ghost story. Obviously, there's <laughs> other things in the world that have freaked me out a little bit, but that is the number one thing that i am most likely to to say yeah that was probably like some kind of yeah ghost. something was going on so that may, that story always makes me think of um sleepy hollow only because of like the covered bridge i was actually saying to my mom covered today, bridges are so like inherently creepy yeah no they are and i was i was saying to my mom today because we have to cross this bridge in the park when we go running and i was running across it and i was like it was like covered with leaves and stuff, and I was like, "It's mm. like, like the haunt. Like if I was here after dark, it would be pretty freaky." Yeah, right. Thinking the uh, the headless and, horseman and like tunnels. Like there's just something inherently. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> Mr. Eric and I, we went and saw the girl on the train yesterday. Ooh. And if you've read the novel, you know that some not so great shit goes down in the tunnel. <laughs> and he was like, "Why does bad shit always happen in a tunnel? Why do people even go to tunnels anymore?" <laughs> As he rides the metro every day, to and work. I was like, you know, yeah, right. I was like, you know, you gotta go where you gotta go, and if it's through a tunnel, and if it's through a tunnel, it's through a tunnel. That's the risk you take. So, uh, but that's definitely pretty creepy. And of course, Gettysburg is, you know, supposedly one of the most haunted places in yeah. America. Um, 
But I feel like everything you hear in relation to Gettysburg is always what you were talking about. Like, it's all this sort of it's, residual. Yeah. Like, no one's uh, really talked about any sort of poltergeist activity in the town. Which, like, regardless of where you fall, I think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because of the, just the amount of horror yeah. and kind of negative like just the tragedy that happened in that yeah. place was so great and so and in you know in, that like if you think about it in terms of backstory too like a civil like it wasn't even just any war it was a civil war where people you know from the same country were essentially turned on each other just because they happened to live in different states and kind of the whole tragedy of the fact that we had a civil war it was all brother of, against brother. Yeah, and it was all kind of concentrated in this one area where it was like the most gruesome few days of, of the entire ordeal. So, yeah. Yeah. Go to Gettysburg, kids. In all of this, actually, only one civilian ended up a casualty, ironically. Which is um, impressive. Yeah. It was a woman who just happened to be standing in the wrong place at the wrong time in her own kitchen. Which is really, I visited the house, um, which is really unfortunate um, because basically she was like baking bread in the kitchen for like soldiers and a stray shot came through the window and got her and that was the only casualty of, civilian casualty of Gettysburg. Aw. Yeah. Sad day. Indeed. (sighs) But. You got a ghost story? Yeah. Well, Yes, I'll, I'll say yes. I, <laughs> yes, I have asterisk. gone back and forth over possibilities of what it was and what it could be. And um, I, I change my mind on what I personally believe now and then. And I won't get into all of that now. But um, mm-hmm. all right. Backstory is as follows. Oh, boy. Um. I always felt like growing up that there was maybe something in our house, something in the paranormal. I'm glad I've slept in your house many times now. (laughs) Circle of things. It was never that I felt that it was something malevolent, but, or even that I really had a cause to believe it. I just kind of sometimes would feel especially when I was alone, that, like, someone else was there. And, of course, a lot of that can be written off as um, paranoia, you know, being home alone, especially home alone at night. Like, like when you're little, the first couple of times that happens is exciting, but it's also kind of, hmm. you know, spooky, especially for someone that grew up watching a lot of scary movies and stuff or whatever <laughs> your mind runs wild with a lot of possibilities and I like to think I have a good imagination. However, however, there were a couple times um, in, in, in high school I noticed it and then when I would be home in college where I'd be home alone and I felt like I would catch something in the corner of my eye, like a figure or a shadow and for whatever reason, in my, my head, in my mind's eye, it always seemed like whatever this figure was, was wearing like an old 1920s bowler hat. Um, like, this is so weird and stuff or whatever. Um, 
And that happened a good couple times. Uh, one time I was home alone and I was doing the dishes, trying to do something nice. And uh, <laughs> I was just trying to do something nice. Hey, trying to do something nice. I was home from college, eating all my parents' food. I was like, well, at least I'll <laughs> do the dishes. And I heard this huge crash in our dining room. I mean, as if something like heavy had fallen over and just shattered, you know, and I jumped six feet. My dog jumped. Um, Shiato, RIP. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, holy fuck. So I run into the dining room and everything is completely still. Like there's nothing had fallen off the shelves. Nothing had moved. Everything was just as it normally was. Um, I checked the computer room. I checked the living room. I was like, did I just mishear where it came from? I went upstairs. I went downstairs. Nothing. And I would have brushed this off, and I would still brush it off today, if my dog hadn't also reacted Hmm. to the sound. Maybe it came from outside. Who knows? But it was very loud. It sounded internal. Um, and I could never pinpoint it. So that coupled with the feeling, the occasional catching someone with the bowler hat. Flash forward a couple years, probably after that incident. Um, one of my mother's good friends and, um, introduced her to, I guess the only really only appropriate word is psychics. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We don't have to get into who believes in psychics and who doesn't and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But my mom and her friend had some interesting experiences now and then. And my sister and I, we like, by their experiences, we were convinced enough that we wanted to tag along um, the next time they went to see a psychic and stuff or whatever. So then my mom was like, well, why don't we make a trip out of it? Ooh, that sounds like Lori. (laughs) (laughs) So we decided to go um, up to Lilydale, which is a town in New York that is, they tote themselves as being um, the most spiritual, like, town in America, um, and, like, the most psychic town in America, because, like, every, like, late spring to, um, like, mid-fall, a bunch of psychics just, they just come to this, like, they have houses in this they town. Just they just all come in. Yeah, they just show up. Um, and, like, offer different sorts of services and readings and stuff or whatever. And then they just, like, they, they just hang out. It's, it's just, like, a, like a pop-up town of psychics. Weird. Um, very weird. Very cool. Very, like, quaint, you know, country New York town. Yeah. And cobblestone. Sleepy and Hollowish. Sleepy, very Sleepy Hollowish and stuff or whatever. So we tag along and we make a trip of it. We make a day of it or whatever. And um, they had, like, group readings that were open to everyone. And then you could like book private readings with any of the various psychics around town and stuff or whatever. So we all booked private readings with a psychic who's, I don't want to say her gimmick, but kind of her thing her was that while she read you, um, she would draw a picture. Hmm. And then um, as she was kind of, I guess, peering into your future, she would like sketch different dates around your picture and add different colors 
Um, and afterwards, she would tell you what the colors meant. That sounds cool as shit. <laughs> yeah, really cool. I still have it. And I have, like, all the, the notes about what she told me, like, what they meant. And they were corresponding to this date and that date and stuff or whatever. And, um, like, the one she told me, like, when I was – when I went to her, I was still at um, – the first college I went to for undergrad, and she told me that I would um, actually not get a degree from them. Um, which which got, caused panic. Oh, which caused panic. And then a year and a half later, for a various reasons, I ended up transferring um, to a different school, to Pitt, where I got my degree from. And a couple of other things that weirdly worked out that she was right about. But anyway... Um, so yeah, so she's she's reading me during the session. They she they don't really talk to you that much. It's just kind of small talk. Like I know a lot of people will say like, oh, these are the tricks that psychics use. Oh yeah, the the cool things about you. Yeah, that that could apply to anybody, but they find a way to like make it work for you and stuff or whatever. But we didn't have all that much of a conversation. And she's sketching and she's sketching and she mentions that. Um, there are people who have passed over that are looking out for me. And I said, oh, okay, that's, that's nice to hear. <laughs> um, and at one point while she's drawing, she starts humming. She starts humming the tune to 76 trombones from The Music Man. What? Now, I know that seems really random, but to me, it sent goosebumps up my entire body because my grandmother used to sing and hum that song to me when I was little to get me to go to sleep and she had passed away um, about three or four years before this now I don't know how mm -hmm. this woman could like this random woman in New York <laughs> yeah a song out of all the songs in the world and she's, and she's like, yeah, this, this tune is coming through. She's like, does that mean anything to you? And I was just kind of like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, to me, it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so when she finishes the drawing, she turns and she shows it to me. And I had to kind of catch my breath again because the image she had drawn was a bowler hat. And... At first, you know, she went through and she described the colors and the dates and stuff or whatever. And then she, she like, paused a moment. And she looked at the hat and um, she was like, someone on the other side that is protecting you is wearing this hat. Um, and I was kind of, like, freaked out and stuff or whatever. And, and we just chatted a little bit more. And I, I took the picture. And, and I, was, I was fairly convinced. And then... Um, Later, once we had all had our readings, because we were all kind of running around doing our own things, and I was back with my mom and my sister and my mom's friend, I, we were showing our pictures and stuff or whatever, and I showed the picture to my mom, and, and she was kind of quiet and stuff or whatever, and, um, uh, and I was like, like, what is it and stuff or whatever, and she's like, does this mean anything to you? And then, and then that's when I kind of told her how I kind of felt that I saw this figure in the house and stuff or whatever. And I always felt like I was catching the hat. And my mom told me, she was like, your grandfather used to wear a bowler hat like this all the time. Um, or her, I'm sorry, her grandfather, who would have been my great grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, like he almost never took it off, I guess, and stuff or whatever. 
So that that spooked me out. That's a lot of things that you can't really explain away. Can't really explain away. Like, how would this woman have known that? How would she have known about that? And to me, it made a lot of sense because these feelings that I would get now and then in my house, like feeling that something else was there, but I never felt threatened or scared. Mm, yeah. And if it was, however you want to phrase it, the spirit or the shade of my great grandfather, that makes sense. I wouldn't have to be afraid of him. Yeah. So, um, so that's my little, my little touch with the, uh, the veil. I have several as of like last January (laughs) experiences in terms of like psychic stuff. Cause my mother is hugely into that stuff. And we used to live in Arizona and she actually went to go see Alison Dubois before she became Alison Dubois. Cause the first time she went to see her, she was like, yeah, like they're talking about to me about making like a TV show. you know fast forward 15 years later um yeah. who was very good so all these you know very relevant things but um it is you know it is you know because obviously there are places where stuff just seems like total crap you know because it's like anyone can say this phrase and you can find meaning in it um but i got dragged into this psychic meeting with my mom because she was going and it was in last january and she was going and she's like come with me and i was like where <laughs> Because I didn't know where she was going. And she was like, to the psychic. I have a psychic thing. And I just, just come with me. And I was like, all right, fine. So I went. And I was going to sit in the waiting room and just, like, read. I, like, wrote a book. And then the psychic was like, no, you need to come back. And I was like, "What? no. Like, I'm, I'm chill here. <laughs> like, I was kind of nervous about it, too. Yeah. Um, this is also one of two instances where I think my ancestors have attempted to out me. <laughs> it happened twice. <laughs> That was actually one of my big fears. But I, um, so, yeah. So we're going back. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'll go back. So I went back and I walked back in the room. I'm like, great, this is fun. So she starts the timer because they like time your sessions because they're like, oh, you booked a 45 minute session. So she starts the timer and she's like scribbling things. Like she, and my mom said this is what Alison Dubois did as well. Like they kind of, to help them concentrate, like, yeah. People will just start drawing things or writing things or writing names. And she starts the timer. I'm like, great, I'm here. And she starts writing. She's like, okay. And she was like, starts the timer. And she's like, who's Bill? And my mom immediately starts crying because that was the name of my... He wasn't my biological grandfather, but he was basically the closest thing I had to a grandfather because I never really knew my real grandfathers. And he was my grandmother's... um boyfriend basically from the time she was like 50 years old till the day he died so she's like who's bill and i was like that's like my and i it was it was fun explaining the relationship because it was like well it's my grandmother's boyfriend but and she was saying people come through as a specific type of energy like they'll be like you know if it's a fatherly energy i don't differentiate between stepfather or or grandfather that sort of thing it's a fatherly energy and that Mm. sort of thing so she was saying that and the very she was like she he says hey kiddo which is literally how I, he always greeted me so I was like that's really weird and uh, she and he knew she was like he says you're trying to go back to school like you know and I was like yeah at that time I was applying for grad school and I was like yeah and she was like he says you want to you're you're also looking at doing things um you're trying to go north you're trying to physically you know go north like school up north or live up north or something I was like yeah and as if anyone watches our twitter knows i'm moving to toronto in november but i was like how does this lady know this and she came to our house for a group reading a couple months later um with like my sister and like 
my mom and my mom's boyfriend and his family, like there was like eight of us in the living room and she was going to spend two hours and kind of shoot cycle through people. And at one mm-hmm. point she, um, she was like, all right, who's the guy who has the big arm? And immediately I was like, my cousin who had a tumor the size of a cantaloupe in his left arm, like that's how, you know, I was, and he got it removed. She was like, he has a big arm and now he's showing me the arm is gone and his arm was removed. And I was like, Holy, how, like, you know, I, That's he and a I very don't even, specific, yeah. And I was like, even let's assume for a hot second, you know, you creep on people. He and I don't even have the last name, the same last name. So stuff with psychics and that sort of thing, I take with a grain of salt, except in situations where someone's literally telling me, like, like I was do, I went to go have my tarot right? cards read one night. My mom made me go get my tarot card read, and she told me she was like, it was like July. And she was like, your sister's going to have another baby. She's going to get pregnant again in October. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then in October, my sister called me to tell me that she was pregnant. <laughs> again. Again. And I was like, what the hell? So there is, I think, something to be said about people being able to just pull the randomest shit out of whatever. Whether it be a song or a physical attribute to someone and say, who's this person to you? And you know instantly right. what they're talking about. Yeah. So... I I don't think, you know, I Yeah, I do tend to approach with caution. Mm-hmm. And I think some people out there that self-label as psychics maybe aren't as genuine. Yeah. as others, but you know, when you're throwing a song at me or a picture that could have been anything, you know, then I kind of say, "Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, <laughs> you have my attention. That was literally me. Yeah. That was the first time I ever went to go see a psychic. I was 23 years old, and she literally just started with that. And I was like, "All right, you have my attention. Continue." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, then, and I guess you know, it's lucky in the sense that we don't really have too many malevolent. Because even that stuff in Gettysburg, you know, as creepy as it was, and as obviously horrifying as the backstory is to it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything bad. No, no. Um, I don't, you know, I'd like to avoid the bad stuff. Yes. Which, and, you know, when it's three in the morning and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, like, what if a ghost just, like, <laughs> decides now's the time? I know. I know. One of the things on my bucket list is to spend the night in a haunted location. But I want to be very specific about the haunted location. I want <laughs> options, which is why we have a great pivot now. <laughs> yeah. For you. And I guess we should start maybe with the Black Monk House. Um, sure. That mr nick groff is investigating with his lady fr- i don't know who she is i've never watched his show special um yeah so this house basically the first thing that comes up if you if you were to look up stuff about it is that it is the most violent situation of poltergeist activity like people said like furniture was thrown at them like full dressers and that sort of thing too um and basically the backstory that ended up going on about the house is that it was built across from a, like right across the street in, you know, 1100s times where it would have been was a gallows. And basically this monk was executed for, uh, I believe it was raping somebody doing something awful. Um, and he got nicknamed the black monk and stuff. Um, and it was just this incredibly, like, violent 
mean spirit that terrorized this family um, that the kind of media dubbed Mr. Nobody is what they referred to as the, the family called him Fred, the ghost. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> the um, media called him Mr. Nobody. Um, and basically, eventually he became known as the black monk because people thought it was the spirit of this monk who had been put to death, who was just like this incredibly violent, mean energy. Um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Ghost, spirit, even as a human being when he was alive. Um, but it's been investigated quite a few times. Um, it's kind of, it's interesting because it's not really super well known in terms of like when people think of famous hauntings, it kind of gets shoved aside in favor of Enfield, which is the one that Conjuring 2 was based off of. Um but it's an interesting, if you read some stuff up on it, like some of the things that they claimed happened and the things that they heard or saw, because there was kind of gross things that were, you know, because they talk about how in Amityville, like whatever oozed from the walls at one point, mm-hmm. like they would say that that sort of happened here as well and that sort of thing. So that um, two hour special is happening on Destination America to plug it. Um on Halloween night, if you're interested in learning more about it. I do take, even though I do believe in this stuff, I do take paranormal investigation shows with a major grain of salt, though. Yeah. The shows you have to, I feel like, definitely proceed with caution because you have no, we don't, we're not sitting there in the editing room. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not on set. We're not on location. The production obviously has a very specific goal in mind yeah so and nick groff too supposedly the reason he left ghost adventures is because he was sick of all the things that i guess the travel channel or whoever was trying to push them to do to make it more yeah to make it more entertaining um and they started out as this kind of indie documentary group that was literally like they were actually investigating haunted locations and then it kind of just turned into this reality tv show phenomenon so with that i would say you know proceed with caution when watching Mm -hmm. paranormal investigation shows because they are at their core entertainment um it was interesting i almost when i was in college went on as a guest um to on an investigation because i was doing an article on a local paranormal group in Pittsburgh, and I didn't, it didn't end up oh, going. Nice. The schedules didn't work out, but they wanted. To, I was going to interview them and kind of talk about them in our one of our issues that was coming out in the fall, um, and they wanted to bring me on to stay with them during a lockdown at a location. And I was like, "Oh, we'll see." This is how the horror movie starts. So they're um, they're doing. There's a couple. Um, I live and work in Washington, D.C., you don't know, for the public library system. And um, the main branch is supposed to be haunted, and it's closing soon. So they're actually doing a ghost hunt investigation mm-hmm. for just the staff and their family and friends if they want it? to participate. I don't know that I am. <laughs> um, possibly. I have to check the dates again. Um, they're, all, they're also, last year when I first started working... Um, at my branch, they did an investigation around in the neighborhood around my where I work, which is on Capitol Hill. So a lot of like old historic buildings are around there, and they investigated in our library as well because um, 
in like the 19, late 1960s, early 1970s, um, the library had a, a live-in janitor, oh. um, which I guess at that point was fairly common-ish. Um, like he slept in a cot in the basement. Um, like I'm not gonna, that actually probably wouldn't be too bad of a gig. <laughs> yeah, like work, like part of his salary was providing lodging and stuff or whatever. And um, one morning he was found murdered in the basement and his murder has remained unsolved since then. So they say that the library where I work is haunted by his ghost. Um, yeah, it is pretty freaky. <sighs> I haven't necessarily seen a ton of evidence. Sometimes the elevator opens and closes and goes up and down on its own. But of course, that could just be a tech fluke. Um, I have felt like I've walked into empty rooms and felt like the chair that I just pushed back in has been pulled out or maybe stacks of books have been moved but again working in a public library anybody could have moved those things so just another little tidbit i've not particularly seen any evidence of mr little john but others Ooh. claim they have interesting well yeah mr craig and i both graduated from the university of pittsburgh indeed um which is the very, it's a very old school. It's like seventeen eighty something. Eighty nine. So, yeah. Seven. <laughs> I don't know. One of those. Uh, one of those. So the most famous building on campus is obviously the Cathedral of Learning, which is kind of like a landmark in Pittsburgh, and the Commons of it, which is the first three floors. It looks like Hogwarts. Looks like Hogwarts. It ends up on a lot of lists on like BuzzFeed and stuff for like schools that like most resemble Hogwarts. It's usually like one or two tied with whatever that dining hall is in Princeton that looks like the Great Hall. Yeah. Um, but there's plenty of secret passageways in this Hogwarts lookalike um, building. Uh, and with these, you know, sort of spooky secret passageways comes kind of stories of hauntings. Um, the most prevalent one is in the early American history room, mm -hmm. which I think... Oh, which I guess we should talk a little bit about the, yes, so... the nationality room. Yes, yeah, so there's nationality <laughs> rooms. <laughs> On the first and third floors in the cathedral, yes, there are what are called nationality rooms. Um, each room is modeled on a specific country usually from a specific time period. Um, I feel like a lot of it is like... A lot of it is 16th very... 16th to 18th yeah. century. A lot of it is kind of very stereotypical, like what you would yeah. expect when you walk in the room. Um, and some of them, like, some of them kind of have cultural artifacts, like in glass cases. Some of them is yeah. more just like... Yeah, there's architecture that is common from that country. Yeah. We had a one-time class in the Armenian room, which is the most inconducive classroom. It's so uncomfortable. Yes, and occasionally, like, you actually can have a class in the different rooms. Some are more comfortable than others. Um, I, I had a good couple of classes in a lot of the rooms. And at Christmas time, they are decorated in their traditional So the holiday Israeli room has a lot of Hanukkah stuff. Yes. And you can take tours and stuff or whatever. But a couple of the rooms, for a number of different reasons, I think two or three of them, are sealed off. Hmm. You can look inside, but you can't actually go inside the rooms. Yeah. One such room is the early American history room. 
Indeed. And it is modeled to look like the, basically the kitchen of a colonial kind of house, which you would imagine like in a movie about Salem or like, you know, anything else like that. Um, and they, the reason behind that, behind that one being closed is that it wasn't conducive as a classroom because it literally is just a kitchen table. Right. <laughs> so it really didn't work as a classroom. So that it's kind of a viewing piece and a couple others are like that as well. But you can tour it um, as part of the Secrets of the Cathedral tour and on the tour of the actual American or the, the, um, nationality rooms they'll unlock the door and you can go in but the cool thing about this room is that there is a secret passageway in the room um by the fireplace there is a lever which will open a false panel right next to the library and the world's narrowest staircase <laughs> is located on the other side of this little door and you can walk up it's to like it it's like straight out of like a hammer horror film it is literally <laughs> like it's like clue and you've like pulled the yeah. library book off the off the shelf and out like, and yeah you just expect to see like some like long-haired woman in a diaphanous <laughs> gown with a candelabra coming down the like stairs. death himself is walking out of this little corridor it's so like it's exactly what you guys are picturing yeah like. whatever it is you're correct so you walk up this little staircase and in the room i i architecturally i don't know how they fit this whether it's on the same level or not but there is a room above this room this is a classroom. <laughs> yeah, it was designed it, to be a classroom. Keep in mind, yeah. Um, and it's an entire bedroom, like colonial traditional bedroom with a rocking chair and a really uncomfortable looking bed and like a fireplace and all this weird shit. So you're like, holy crap. But the story in here, and they've had, I think, psychics go into this room is that the room is haunted because people, kids who do the tours for the um, nationality rooms will say when they go into lock up after hours, they'll hear, like, it sounds like people are walking um, in the room above them, which, you know, is the hidden room. Mm -hmm. um, people have said the rocking chair has started rocking when they were in there. Um, one person mentioned at one point they saw, like, an indent of somebody laying on the bed as if there was a body there when there was nothing there. So, And a psychic who went there a while back, I guess, said that it was the spirit of a man who had, like, lost his son at some point and was kind of... She didn't really elaborate on it. I don't know how psychic <laughs> she was, but... If anybody fact-checked. If, yeah, if anyone, like, pulled receipts on that. But enough people have said some weird things go on in the room, but nothing really super involved. Like, it's just kind of weird noises, weird placement of furniture. And it's interesting because, again, it's a secret passageway. The room is locked. Um, and it's a process to get up to that second be se bedroom. second room. So it is a little bit, a little bit creepy. But, I mean, like... You could see it. Mm -hmm. the The university is very old. The cathedral itself is very old. Yeah. If someone was lingering behind, why wouldn't a locked room yeah. that you know is going to be quiet, you know, be the place that you don't you have to put the paper out on the <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> people shove papers out on the handles of doors to say "fuck off." We're in. Fuck off. Get out. Um. Yeah. No. And that's another thing, too, is there's other secret passageways in the cathedral as well that are supposedly are haunted in the Shenley yeah. Ballroom, which anyone from Pittsburgh knows the yeah. word name Shenley. Uh, there is a, 
it's another false panel lever situation. This time the back of the fireplace opens up into a, another antechamber and supposedly it is haunted by the daughter of Colonel or Commander or whatever he was, Shenley, Shenley. who um, decided to run off with some local farm boy instead of um, marry whoever it was she was supposed to marry. A more a socially appropriate. A socially appropriate match. steel tycoon. But um, the ballroom itself is interesting historically just because it is literally, he built it for his daughter and when I guess. For the wedding. For the wedding. And they yeah. moved it into the cathedral. Like it was originally the entire ballroom was in the Shenley whatever. And the they, Shenley Hotel. The Shenley Hotel. And Which they, is now the. The Student Union. Yeah, the Student Which Union. Which also has its own ghost stories. Yes, it does. But they moved it out of the Shenley Hotel, like, piece by piece, and rebuilt it in the cathedral, and supposedly her ghost... Um, came people, with. Came with. People <laughs> have heard things in this little antechamber, weird knocking sounds and that sort of thing. But, yeah. Um, and someone... I've heard that strange things have also happened in the English room. Like the English, like the heritage? Is the that... he- yeah. That those, um, someone said like some of the uh, stained glass windows, mm-hmm. like, don't always like allow light to pass through them. <laughs> it's freaky. They said that, like, <laughs> yeah, that like they've like gone dark and stuff or whatever while people have been in there alone and stuff or whatever. So that's weird. In the um, the former Shenley Hotel, now the Student Union, in the Red Room, which I think is on the third floor, it's a reading room. They use it at um, finals time. They like turn it in basically into a, a reading room where you can go and do work. But the story goes that the Russian the Russian ballet was um, <laughs> <laughs> they are performing tonight. Um, they were in Pittsburgh and they were staying at the Shenley Hotel. And this ballerina, who is like the prominent ballerina of the Russian ballet, overslept in the, the prima. The prima overslept in the hotel and was either late to the performance or missed the performance and ended up losing her job. And so the story goes, supposedly, is that she will wake up students who have fallen asleep uh, inside the Shenley or inside the student union. Um, make sure they don't miss. Yeah. Which is kind of just a fun little, yeah. fun little thing. People have told crazy stories about things in other dorms, which I think you know, it was like a thing across college campuses, but oh, of course, people claimed that like there was some crazy murder suicide that happened on the top floor of the one Holland Hall, which is the one all girls dorm, yeah. because the top floor isn't like you there. Nobody lives there, so like the story is that they closed it off because there was a murder suicide and it's super haunted. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I, yeah, I feel like you. And any good, healthy college, there's going to be a couple of those stories. Yeah. I remember at my first college, there was a a story about um, in the girls' dorms, one of the rooms being haunted because a girl's boyfriend in a fraternity had been climbing the outside of the building to pin her, and he fell and died. And she was so distraught that she jumped out of the window and killed herself Funny. too or she slit her wrists in her room and I promise he's not her. he's not he's not that great uh, right, <laughs> right so there, there was like this recurring story of you know like whoever lives in what was supposedly her room is 
Mm. And they always have spooky stories. Well, and it's interesting if you think about college, which is one giant sleepover, you know, it kind of ends up having the same thing happening as you have with a sleepaway camp where people yeah. tell stories about like some axe murder in the woods and it always just happens to be that night is the anniversary <laughs> of his death or whatever. You've got the same thing, you know, in college dorms. Everyone's got stories about weird shit that supposedly happened and like, oh, this is supposed to be like her room, like where she killed herself or killed somebody else or what have you. Um, so let's say if you are still in college, you should look up some of your. Yeah. What shit. are your campus creepy, creepy things? We want to know. Yeah. As somebody who lives in Philadelphia, I am surrounded constantly by places <laughs> that claim to be like the restaurant down the street claims to be haunted. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> Which, you know, do what you're going to do. But there are some interesting places in and about Philadelphia that Craig and I have talked about a few times, like Penhurst. Penhurst. Which is, which got a shout out on Stranger Things every time yes, I, I get excited about it. Which doesn't make sense because they're in Illinois. They're in but Illinois. It's okay. Um, or Indiana. Indiana. Something with an I. Yeah. Um... But yeah, Penhurst was, you know, if you look it up, there it was a school for children and adults, basically. It was a school and living community for people who um, had one sort of mental challenge or what society deemed to be a mental deficiency or another. And some of them, you know, were low IQs and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then some of them were something like ADHD, where you had these completely, you know, quote unquote, functional people who just, you know had ADHD and at the time they didn't know what to do with it so they'd put them in with these people who were sort of um had you know these real things that they needed care and help with so when you had that happen there were situations of assault and and rape and that sort of thing and neglect and eventually got shut down but it is this creepy sprawling campus um in the middle of the suburbs of Philadelphia that many a uh, ghost hunters paranormal investigators have visited um and told stories i think it's the quaker building is the one that they say is the yeah. the soups haunted one um which we saw we did we walked outside walked. of it <laughs> we were like, oh, there it is there it is and it looked pretty creepy it did and they actually host once a year now an actual like sort of convention slash gathering of people who are interested in kind of studying the paranormal happenings at penhurst like actually on the grounds um they take you inside quaker i don't know i wanted to go to it but it was like sold out <laughs> they might um a lot of it's boarded up now because it's been turned into a haunted house so they try to keep yeah. people but for the longest time like you could just waltz around on there and open unlocked doors and climb through broken windows and you know play with matches <laughs> and all that good all stuff sorts of debauchery yeah um but that's kind of the the local haunts um i guess in my area obviously there's other things in in philadelphia the eastern state penitentiary which supposedly several famous prisoners haunt but then also haunt their cells in like alcatraz <laughs> so they're very busy ghosts yeah very busy there's a an interesting book i read ghostland by colin hick hickey i should know his name uh it's called ghostland it just recently came out um colin nope not getting his name um 
Colin Dickey. I knew Dickey. it was something like that. Anyway, <laughs> Ghostland by Colin Dickey, where he actually talks about how he visited these haunted places, these famous haunted places, and talks about kind of the cultural implications of people coming up with these ghost stories and sharing these ghost stories and kind of what function they serve. Like, for example, he talks about the famous story that everyone kind of tells of the slave Chloe, who accidentally poisoned um, the children of the family that she was owned by. Um, when she was trying to kill her master, she killed the children instead by accident and was so traumatized by it that she ended up killing herself. And now she haunts several plantations that claim that she was that's the... Just, that's where she lived. That that's who she was and that's where she was. But he was talking about how that is a way for us. We'd rather focus on that and deal with that than talk about the true horrors of slavery. Mm. We'd rather tell a ghost story about it and how kind of these ghost stories serve a function. Um in society and sharing ghost stories kind of solve one issue or another or distract from one issue or another. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Indeed. Haunted spooky things. Indeed. And this They're is everywhere. A good time of year for it because Perfect. several different groups of human beings claim that the the border between this world and the next is weakest. On Halloween night. And Miss Mel and I will be checking out mm-hmm. both Eastern State and Penhurst, Penhurst. this Halloween weekend. Yep. Um, for their, not for their, their tours, but for their uh-huh. haunted attraction, mm-hmm. haunted house setups, yeah. stuff or whatever. Terror Behind the Walls at Eastern State. And what is Penhurst called? There? Penhurst Asylum. Penhurst Asylum. That is correct. So, yeah, we might check out a couple others, but those two are certainly on the dock. Updates from the grounds when that happens. (laughs) We've got our GoPro as we we update you from the field. And then we get kicked out because they're like, and they're like, you "You can't have a camera. You can't have a camera. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) We have a podcast. I'm like, yeah, we don't care. So, so, so be looking for that. Yeah, and share your ghost stories or your this is total bullshit stories. Please do. Annie and Brad, you guys, we're relying on you. Keep up the correspondence. Spooky spooky southern stories. We don't know a lot about like southern stories. I don't. I lived in Florida for six months. I had not a not a one ghost story to tell. I worked at the haunted mansion and I had not a one ghost story to tell. We need to find out. We need to hear some stories from any of you that live in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. Famous uh, cemetery down there. Some spooky stuff happens down there, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Miss Mel? I think we we about covered it. Wrapped up our our spooky ghost stories to tell around a campfire. I think we have given you some some fodder for that as you plan your your various Halloween gatherings can relay some spooky tales. Mm -hmm. And you should relay some spooky tales to us as well. You should. Or just play this podcast for your friends. That works too. Get them to listen and subscribe. Yes. Which I guess is a good segue to say where you can subscribe to us and find us. Is this my job still? your job. (laughs) This is my job. (laughs) So first and foremost, we are on iTunes uh, as Splatter Chatter. Uh, There is, uh, I guess somebody pointed out to us, there's another Splatter Chatter. We are not them. We are not them. We we are the one that's not them. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) Um... 
you can also, if you're somebody who'd rather stream it, we are on SoundCloud as well as Splatter Chatter. Some of you, I think, find us on SoundCloud more than you find us on iTunes based on some of the metrics I see there. Uh, on Twitter, we are Splatter Chatter 666 without the vowels. You can just search Splatter Chatter, though, and we will pop up if you are vowel challenged. Uh, on Tumblr, we are splatterchatter.tumblr.com. Um, the blog for this, which Craig has needs to update, needs to update <laughs> is um, splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. And then the odd child in all this, our email, splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. Gmail.com. And these are all the places you can get a hold of us. And then, of course, our personal Twitters. If some of you have found our personal Twitters, I've noticed. I, yeah, me too. Um, but it's at Craigers, two Gs. I think that's it. And then at Melmoy. Yep. On the Twitters. On the Twitters. I think I got everything. I think you did. So, on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Ten episodes. Yay. Yeah. Here's to many more. Um, We'll see you on the path to 20. Yeah. Adios. Au revoir. Das Vidani.